mystery, intrigue, tragedy, scandal. These are the themes that embody the most notorious crime of the 1920s, the Hall Mills murder mystery. On a dark, moonless night in September of 1922, a couple named Raymond Schlender and Pearl Barmer, lost in the moment, strolled down a secluded lover's lane. But little did they know, their romantic walk in the dark would soon turn into the stuff of nightmares. As they walked hand in hand, a chilling scene greeted them. Two people lying lifeless on the ground. Trembling with fear, they ran to the nearest house, pounding on the door and begging the owner to call the police. When the authorities arrived, they were met with a scene this couple had only ever seen in the newspapers. The man, shot once in the right side of the head, was found on his back with his hand touching the woman's neck. His hat was covering his face and his glasses were still perched on his nose. He had bruises on his ears and injuries to his fingers. Along with a deep wound on his right leg, his watch was gone, but his money was still in his jacket pocket. The woman was lying beside him with her head on his arm, shot three times in the face with bruises on her arm. Her feet faced a crabapple tree, but the most harrowing detail was the deep gash across her throat that had severely damaged her pipes and her lips were brutally sliced. The mystery took a shocking turn as the identity of the victims was revealed. It seemed they were in a forbidden love affair, as evidenced by the torn love letters scattered around their bodies. The man was Edward Wheeler Hall, 41, a local minister and the husband of Francis Hall. The woman was Eleanor Mills, 34, a member of Edward's choir, and the wife of James Mills. Both had been missing since September 14th, and the authorities estimated they were killed around 10 p.m. the previous night. Perhaps more odd than the couple with their love letters strewn about was the positioning of their bodies. Their feet were kept facing each other, in a way that hinted at some sort of ritual. It was 1920, and American society was consumed by cultural, societal, and political topics. As news of the murdered minister and his lover spread like wildfire, hundreds of curious onlookers descended upon the scene, making it difficult for the police to control the crowd. The situation quickly spiraled out of control as the throngs of people tried to take physical evidence as souvenirs, even going as far to dig up the dirt and trees at the scene to sell them. The torn love letters were in high demand right up until the authorities arrived in time to stop the chaos and recover all of the evidence. This shocking crime, filled with forbidden love, mystery, 
and tragedy remains one of the most intriguing puzzles of the 20th century. Who could have committed such a vicious crime, and why? As you listen to this episode, you'll be transported back to the streets of Somerset, to a world filled with mystery, intrigue, and tragedy. So, sit back and let me take you on a journey through the dark and sinister story of the Hall Mills Mystery. As the police went deeper into the case, they learned that this secret love affair was not so secret after all. In fact, their romance was known to many in the church choir. Edward's wife, Frances Hall, was the daughter of a wealthy and prominent family in Brunswick. Meanwhile, Eleanor's husband, James Mills, was a simple janitor of a local school and part-time church sexton at the Reverend Hall's church, the same church where Edward Hall was a priest. Edward and Eleanor were both younger than their spouses, with Edward being seven years younger than Francis, and Eleanor ten years younger than James. Edward Wheeler Hall was born in the bustling city of New York in 1881, raised in the thriving borough of Brooklyn. Edward was known for his angelic singing voice and quickly rose to prominence as a member of his local church choir. But little did anyone know that the boy with the beautiful voice would one day become a priest, a vocation that would offer him untold power and influence. Edward's journey took him to the halls of Brooklyn Polytechnic Institute, where he graduated with honors in 1898. A scholarship at Hobart College soon followed, solidifying his position as one of the brightest and most promising young men of his time. But this didn't quite quench young Edward's thirst. He sought more. In 1907, he was appointed assistant pastor at St. Mark's Church in Basking Ridge, New Jersey. Two years later, through his tireless efforts and unwavering determination, he was named the rector of St. John, the Evangelist, in New Brunswick. It was here in New Brunswick that Edward met Frances Noel Stevens, the wealthiest woman in town. Born in South Carolina in 1874, Frances was a woman of means and power, with two brothers, Henry and William. The black sheep in the family, William was said to be suffering from a form of Asperger's and mixing with the wrong crowds in town. Nevertheless, Edward saw an opportunity for a lifetime of creature comforts and luxuries and in 1911, he married Frances and moved with his mother into her home on Nickel Avenue. Elsewhere, 
another story was brewing. One that Edward would soon find himself entwined in. Born in 1888 as Eleanor Reinhardt, Eleanor married James Mills in 1905 and bore him two children, Charlotte and Daniel. James was a school janitor and made just enough to keep his small family happy. But domestic bliss wasn't quite what Eleanor yearned for. Young Eleanor rathered excitement, danger, trifling with the forbidden, as it were. Bright, beautiful, intelligent, and ambitious, Eleanor was said to have numerous affairs, one of which lasted for two years, right under James's nose. And it was with Eleanor that Edward's life took a turn. In 1919, reports emerged of a relationship between the two, one that was initially only sexual in nature. Edward seemingly appointed James as a sexton to keep Eleanor close to him, allowing James to earn more income than he would as a janitor at a school. Edward even paid for Eleanor's kidney operation, which is likely when they started having feelings for each other. As their love grew, letters rife with confessions were exchanged between the two. The couple would meet at Russia's Lane, also known as Lover's Lane, and Edward had reportedly bought a farm there for hiding out when he needed. It would make the perfect love nest for a secret affair. Not that his actions would stay secret for long. It got more and more obvious as time went on, with people about town noticing how close the two had gotten. Perhaps they got bolder with time, or they didn't think people would pay attention. Either way, most people who knew the two families knew of the affair, even if they never let it show. It seems the only two people who did not know about the affair were Francis Hall and James Mills. As we deep dive into these chilling tales, we all need a moment of escape, a way to unwind without the shadow of the night creeping in. Here's where Recess Mood comes in. Crafted with real fruit and infused with mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing aptogens, Recess Mood is your guilt-free retreat. With just 20 calories, no added sugar, it's not just a sparkling water, it's a sanctuary and a can. Imagine unwinding during a gripping episode of Foul Play with a can of strawberry rose, or my favorite, raspberry lemon. Letting the stress melt away without the aftermath of alcohol. It's my little secret to staying balanced in the chaos of a busy life. You deserve a healthier way to unwind, to recharge, and to prepare for the next journey into the unknown with foul play. And for the devoted foul play listeners, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com shane to get 15% off recess mood your go-to alcohol replacement. The couple went to Atlantic City for a few days and was seen attending a Broadway show together 
When back, Edward took his wife on a three-week vacation in August 1922, during which time Edward and Eleanor communicated through letters, expressing their love and desire to be together. It seemed obvious they were planning to run away from New Jersey, since divorce simply wasn't an option. The limelight would be cast on Frances's wealthy father, and her family would make it their mission to make life difficult for him. As the church staff, including Frances, went on a church outing one random afternoon, those who knew of the affair watched the dynamic between the two couples at the event. It would be the last time they were spotted together. On the day of the murder, Edward was fulfilling his duties as a priest and making multiple house calls, while Eleanor attempted to reach Edward through two calls received by Francis. Francis Hall reported that she had a few visitors and played cards with them from 9 to 11 p.m., confirmed by her maid, Louise Geist. That same day, Eleanor discussed divorcing James with her daughter Charlotte before bringing it up at the dinner table again. Soon after dinner, she got up, left the house, took a bus to George Street, and went through the park entrance to Lover's Lane. Edward, too, had left home around the same time. Later at night, around 2.30 in the morning, Frances Hall set out into the night, her heart heavy with worry, as she went in search of her husband, Edward. She enlisted the help of her brother, and the two made their way to St. John the Evangelist Church, hoping to find some sign of Edward. When they arrived, they found only darkness and silence, the church empty and abandoned. Francis remembered that Eleanor Mills had called the house twice in a frenzy. Perhaps Edward was still at the Mills' house. William and Francis headed to the Mills' home, but upon arriving, were greeted with darkness once again. There was nothing to be done. They would have to wait for the morning. The night passed, and Edward did not return. The hours ticked by, and the fear in Francis's heart grew with each passing moment. By the following afternoon, she could bear it no longer and reported her husband missing to the authorities. When Prosecutor Joseph E. Stryker came upon the bloody scene, he declared the case open and shut. This was clearly the tragic story of two scorned lovers coming together to kill their spouses for having an affair behind their backs. Francis and James likely found the letters, learned of their secret rendezvous point, and got lucky when Edward and Eleanor were, in fact, strolling in the same spot. Despite these proclamations, the matter couldn't be taken forward, not without real evidence pointing to Francis or James. 
or anybody. As the crime scene got visited more and more by curious townspeople, the scene got more and more compromised, and the police remained clueless. The forensic department, led by Dr. William, also confirmed that Eleanor was given a painful and horrible death by the murderer, who used a 32 caliber gun. The lover's blood spilled into the soil as they fell, concluding that they were shot and killed in the same place. The positioning of the bodies remained a mystery. A month passed since the brutal murder of Edward Hall and Eleanor Mills, and the case gained nationwide attention, but the police were no closer to an answer that they could give the public. As the days went by, the demands for justice for the murdered couple only grew, fueled by the rumors and gossip that spread like wildfire throughout the town and beyond. People whispered and speculated pointing fingers at the wife of the priest, Francis Hall, who was known to have the motive and the means to commit the heinous crime. The police also investigated James Mills, Eleanor's husband, but he was quickly released as the focus shifted to Francis and her brothers, who were far more capable of carrying out a crime like this. Theories abound, but there was no concrete evidence to link them to the murder. A glimmer of hope showed up in the form of a possible witness, Jane Gibson. Gibson, a pig farmer whose farm was close to Lover's Lane, said she had heard a dog barking and looked out the window to see a man walking out of her field. She followed him for a distance hiding in the shadows. Suddenly, she heard voices arguing, and a gunshot rang through the still night air. She ran away, only to hear more gunshots as she made her way back home and locked herself inside. Though she couldn't see their faces or hear their conversation, she was able to provide the police with time figures and other details. While this should have helped their case, it seemed to confuse the police even more. Her stories, it seems, were inconsistent, often conflicting with each other. At first, she said she only saw silhouettes, four figures, lurking in the night. In the second round of questioning, she claimed a passing car illuminated the scene, and Gibson was able to get a glimpse of the group. There were apparently two men and two women. One of them was clad in a long coat, and another had bushy hair and a mustache. She heard the echoes of a heated argument, words concerning some mysterious notes. Suddenly, one of the women tried to flee, but was dragged back to the crabapple tree, where she and one of the men met their brutal end. But the story didn't end there. At the stroke of one, Gibson returned to the scene of the crime to see it for herself. She stopped some distance away when she saw a woman knelt beside the body of the dead man 
wailing into the night like a wounded animal. This woman, according to Gibson, was none other than Frances Hall. As the investigations went deeper, Gibson's words became more and more vivid, her story growing darker with each retelling. But even as inconsistencies arise, one thing remains clear. The horrors of that night will haunt her forever. So who killed Edward Hall and Eleanor Mills? Was it Francis, driven by jealousy and anger? Or James, in a fit of rage, after having found out about Eleanor's multiple affairs in the past? Or could it be a third person entirely, looking to punish the sinners? We will explore this further in the next episode. Thanks for listening.